first, I want to appreciate uh, the elders for giving me this opportunity to speak to you. And thank you, Josh, for representing Nigeria. I like that. <laughs> uh, and thank you for everyone that is looking forward to hearing me preach. Our sermon title this morning is You Shall Be Holy. And the text is taken from 1 Peter 1, 13 to 19. And the key words for our worshipers in training is holy, conduct, and confirm. Don't mind my accent. And don't be surprised to hear me say you're all. <laughs> all right. Now, our sermon today and the key words are words that we really hear these days because of the age we're in. And, and immediately you say the word holy to some, it's you're judgmental. Immediately you hear the word holy to some, it's like, wait, what are you trying to say? And it is of great concern even within the body of believers because some tend to redefine and determine the extent to which we use this phrase because we don't want to offend some people. Some take, off, take offense when they hear such word. And to many, even in our nation today, it's like you are crossing the boundary of uh, into my First Amendment right. When you <laughs> begin to say things like, you shall be holy, that's what God has called, you, called us to be. And they say like, oh, keep your religion to yourself. And to some, even in church, it's like you're a relic of an old religion. <laughs> and uh, you have problem with contextualizing all the things you are saying. And in the midst of all, the, all of this, there is a problem. And the problem is not the word of God. Every time we try to seek to understand God's word by starting from us, we'll always end up misrepresenting God's word. We can't explain God's word by starting from us. Every time we seek to understand God's word by starting from us, we misrepresent God himself. Because the word of God is pointing not to us, but to God. So every time we seek to understand God's word, by starting from us, we end with error. So what does it mean to be holy? Yes, it means to be set apart. It means to be consecrated to God. Now, but we see a pattern in scripture right from Genesis of how or what it means to be holy. In Genesis 1, we see God said, let there be light. And we see him calling light out of darkness, separating light from darkness. That's consecrating light, setting light apart from darkness. We see God creating man. And when he created man, he set man above all the creations of, on the earth. He set man apart from other creations, and he blessed man. He said, be fruitful. Have dominion on all, over all creations. He set man apart. We see also, after he created man, we see from every generation, God is always setting one man apart from others. Set, Enoch, and he goes, Abraham. He was always setting them apart for his work. Also, we see him do that in Israel. God called Jacob 
unlikely fellow, one you don't expect him to be called. And God called him apart, and he said to Israel, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you are more in number than any other people that the Lord has set his love on you. And the Lord himself has chosen you for you were the fewest of all people. Deuteronomy 7 verse 6 to 7. So Lord said it was not because you were more in number, but because of God's love to you, he set you apart. Israel was set apart for God. Set apart to be what? Holy. In, Levit- in Leviticus, we see the whole essence of a sacrifice. That's one book that you don't want to read. Most people don't like reading. It's boring. But the whole essence of a sin offering, the whole essence of a peace offering and all this was summarized in Leviticus 11, verse 44. He said, For I am the Lord, your God, Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. Now, the whole essence of all this sacrifice was not about you. It was never about you. It was about me. Consecrate yourself and be holy. Again, we see from Israel to Christ, he was a propitiation for our sin. He was set for our sin. Again, we see from Christ, he called out his church. He set him apart to be holy unto himself. And Christ said to us, said, I came not to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. Now in all of this, we see a pattern that God himself, a holy God, calling forth a holy people to himself. In all of this, we see that God is setting apart a people for himself. And this is consistent with his character and his nature. God is holy. We can boldly say that God does all things in and through his holiness. So when he slew the Egyptians, it was in his holiness. When he judged Israel for, by giving them to the Assyrians and Babylonians, he was doing it in his holiness. And at the end, when Christ will come and judge all mankind and call to himself his people, and others will go to where they belong, it will be in his holiness. It will be a display of his justice. And we know that God's judge, just, his justice is holy. If you're here and you think it was everything, the life revolved around you, you're mistaken. It was never about you. It was never about me. It was it has always been about God. It has always been about a holy God calling holy people to himself. As we, as we look at that this morning, you shall be holy is not a threat. Don't be afraid. But you shall be holy is a command of the Lord calling for his people to himself. And let's see that in our text today as we read 1 Peter 1, 13 verse 19 to 19. Therefore, Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions 
of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Now, in this text, Peter is helping us to answer four questions about what it means that God has called us to be holy. First, he helps us to understand, first, what, is, what this command is about. The second thing is he shows us to who this command is pointing to. And the third thing, again, we see in this text is that he shows us how, do we, how to respond to this call. Now, we know God is calling. John. How do we respond to this call? Now, how we respond to this call is as, is as important as the call, himself, is the call itself. And lastly, he helps us to see why we should respond to this call. So as we look at verse 13 and 14, we see our first point, which means this is a call to action. You shall be holy is a call to action. Let's, read, let's look at the first verse 13 and this verse 14 together. It says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, Set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Now, Peter started by saying, therefore. Now, you agree with me that therefore is like a summary, a conclusion to what he has been saying before. Now, before now, Peter started by saying that he was writing to the elect exiles. Now, the elect exile here is talking about the saints. And he was telling them about the hope that they were born into, the salvation we have in Christ Jesus. So Peter is saying, therefore, in light of the truth that we are pilgrims on earth, in light of this truth that God in his mercy has caused us to be born again, to a living hope, in light of this truth that we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. In light of this truth that there is a salvation ready to be revealed to us at the end. In light of this truth that we have so great a joy in Christ Jesus. Brethren, prepare your minds for action. In light of this truth, prepare your minds for action. Now, that's one thing you don't expect to hear. Because if I have everything done for me, why do I need to work again? I mean, if you have received a mail maybe from your credit card company and says, oh, we, we noticed this action going on, but if uh, you're the one that did it, no further action is required. Now, we all like that no further action. We all like, like, oh, somebody has done the work for me, no further action. But Peter is saying that in light of this truth, prepare your minds for action. In light of this truth, guard your mind. Because, why? A lot of things are contending for that mind. We're in this age now that everything around us is fast. 
everything around us. In, in one minute, we can track a lot of things down. Your life is no longer safe again, as I tell someone. Someone told me, like, I'm not secured again. I say, yes, you weren't secure from the beginning. We're not. Everything is at the speed of light. And everything is contending for our mind. One of the reasons why I don't like American football is because a lot of commercials. Come on, play the game. Buddy, play the game. Play the game straight. The commercials are just too much. Come on, what's going on? Play 30 minutes, you're done. Rest 10 minutes, then come and play 30 minutes. Then that's done. You guys are adults. Come on, stop running around with a ball in your hand and call it football. No. <laughs> now, the media are contending for our mind. Every day, you look around you, there are lots of information running around. And all these things are coming into our mind. We read it in the books. We see it with our eyes. Even the government. Everything around us. And don't be deceived. They are both sides of the same coin. Democrat or Republican, both sides of the same coin. Don't be deceived. Everything around us are contending for us. So Peter is saying this. Peter, wasn't in, Peter is not in our age now. But he's saying this. Why? Because the same thing applies today. That applies then. It might come in different form now, but it's the same thing. And what's that thing that the, the evil one is contending for our mind? So he said, prepare your minds for action. Because everything is contending against this new mind you have in Christ Jesus. This living hope, everything around you is contending against it. So you have to be holy. You have to be ready to stand against these things. And he said, you prepare your mind by being what? Sober-minded. And what does that mean? Like about, three, about three weeks ago, uh, Pastor Nick talked about this. And he, 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 he said something about being sober-minded. He kept on saying about a mind that is set on God. A mind that reflects on the things of God. A mind that thinks about the things of God. That's what it means to be sober-minded. I reflect on the things of God. I reflect on the fact that I was a wretch and I was saved by Christ. I reflect on the fact that I can't do it of my own. I lean on Christ. That's what it means. But how do I prepare my mind for actions? For action. How do I be sober-minded in the midst of all this? How do I set my hope fully on the grace that is to be revealed at the end? How do I do that as a single mom? How do I do that as a homeschooling mom? How do I do that as a father, as a husband that wants to be faithful to his wife? How do I do that as a teenager in the face of peer pressure? How do I do this as a wife? That I have a lot of body, I have to take care of the kids, prepare the home, and I have to work at the same time to please my boss. How do I do that in the midst of all this? I'll say don't do it as a mother. Don't do it as homeschooling mom. Don't do it as a wife. But do it as obedient children. As we see in verse 14. He said, as obedient children. As obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. 
Do it as obedient children. Do it as one who is leaning on God, trusting God to help you. For if I think of the burden of fatherhood outside of Christ, I can't do it. If I think of the burden of motherhood outside of Christ, it is nothing. But do it as obedient children. I know what that means. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3. Now the reason why, the reason, the reason they, they didn't bow down was not because they know that God will save them. Now. Because they told the king that even if he doesn't save us. So it's not that they don't trust that God will save them. But the reason they didn't bow was because that this head will only bow down to the king of kings, the holy one. Not to another king. The reason they didn't bow was not because they know that God will take them out of that fire. But the reason they didn't bow was because they stand before a holy God. And to him alone would they stand and fall. Not before a golden calf or a golden image. As obedient children, we will set our heart as obedient children. And as obedient children, what do we do? We trust God. We trust His grace. We trust in Him to help us to set our heart to Him. We trust God. You know why? Because grace picked us up. It is that same grace that will sustain us in this journey. And it is that same grace that will bring us to that end. We can't do it of our own. It's a call to action. But at the same time, it's a call that we cannot do of our own self. I can't prepare my mind for action. My mind for action without Christ. So great love and mercy he has poured on us. He has poured out his grace and his love on us. So that we can trust in him. Not so that we can do as we please. A holy life is a life devoted to God. And to God's word. It's a life devoted to God and God's word. That's where we find the strength to set our heart. That's where we find the hope to set our heart on God, not on another. I can't tell you I understand the things you're going through. But I can tell you this. That no matter what we're going through, no matter what is contending for our soul. As long as we devote ourselves to God and his word, we'll rise above it. How do I trust God in the midst of all this? Peter kept on saying, as obedient children, he didn't stop there. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Peter said, it is by not conforming to these passions, the desires of our former ignorance, that we can set our heart on the things of God. We are not to submit to the structures or forms of our culture, but rather to submit to the culture of God, which scripture teaches. The structure, our society tells us that you do not need God. And listen to me, it's not only here in the U.S., even in Africa and the other part of the world, it's the same thing. The culture is different. The way they present it is different. But they're just speaking just one language. And that is this. No God. 
everywhere you go in the world, in the world, it's the same thing. Different culture, but there's just one language they are speaking, and that is it. You do not need God. And that's what the culture is telling us. You need to conform. You need to get out of that place of telling you that, oh, God is all. They're telling us that we do not need God. And also, they're making it seem as if sin is nothing. Brethren, sin is sin. It has no other name. Whatever thing you try to call it, nothing else. Sin is sin. And there's nothing called small sin. Well, I can get away with it. Sin is sin. There was a recent report from Ligonier Ministries about the state of theology in, in the U.S. And they did a survey and they found out that people said that they asked if uh, there should be punishment for small, small sins. And over 69% said no. And it shows our understanding of what sin is. It shows how we have come to see sin. And we forget that the Holy God will not behold sin. And he has called his people also to do the same thing. Do likewise. That we speak against these things. We don't participate in it. We speak against these things. You cannot conform to your former way of life and at the same time be a Christian. You can hold on to the two. You can stand on the fence. Either here or there. We can't say we are Christians and still conform to our former way of life. And the word conform there is meaning that I am now saying that this is what I'm part of. I am with this form. I am with this structure. But as Christians, we are with what? With the kingdom culture. We are with what what the Bible teaches. No matter how good the things the world presents to us, it can never be holy. No matter how good it looks, it can never be holy. How? How do I, in the midst of this, one of the things I, 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 I want to pause and talk about that I have to deal with is, no offense, soccer moms. Oh, my. I've never had any cussing in my life before, like I hear from some soccer moms. Oh, my. And as a soccer coach, oh, Lord. <laughs> there was this day I had to go sit down. I turned around. And I saw this woman cussing. She kept on cussing. I'm the coach. <laughs> she was cussing. I was like, wow. How can you be a soccer mom and a Christian at the same time doing that? I'm not saying all soccer moms are cussing. No, no, no. No, but it was shocking to me. I've never seen someone cussing that way. And she kept on cussing. I was like, no. I see that almost all the time, every week. Now, why did I bring that up? After having a conversation with her, she's a Christian. (laughs) So I was like, after spending almost five minutes cursing the referee, oh, no. Woman, you need to deal with something. 
Now, why did I bring that up? Are we Christians only in church? Do we reflect the same God we profess even in a soccer game? Do we reflect the same God we, we, we profess, we confess at work? Or are we only Christians when we come to church? Do we call what we call a holy life is only what we define within the church? Is that what we have? Do we guard up the loins of our minds against the worldly things the culture presents to us? Or are we promoters of these sinful things themselves? Where do you stand this day? Where do you stand? Are you an enemy of God or are you his friend? If you're here, you're not a Christian. The Bible says clearly you're an enemy of God. And you stand against God. But as a believer, you have been called into God to live a holy life. Where do you stand today? Think about that. Where do you stand? And that brings us to our second point today. That this call is a call to God, not to us. We're called to come into him, not to us. In verse 15, Peter said, But as he who who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. You shall be holy. It's a call from God to God. God is calling us to himself, not another. It's a call for us to live like God, to be like God. Brothers, let me not forget to add, sisters, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy when you're in church. No. Be holy. Live a holy life. Be holy in all your conduct, everywhere, at home, at work, in school, in all your relationships. Be holy in all your conduct. Why? Because first, God is holy. Not because first me, but because first, God is holy. A holy God who created all things is calling you to himself. A holy God who created all things is not calling you to live as you please. He's calling you to himself. Himself. He's calling you, come. Separate yourself from them. Consecrate yourself. For you are not part of them. As believers, we are to reflect that. Oh, how great it is that you don't have to say I'm a Christian before someone sees that. How lovely that is. How lovely it is that, that people will see that you will not be part of the evil that they do because they know that you're a Christian. I had an experience a long time, just not so long ago, and we're there with some colleague at work, where I used to work, and they started talking about a beautiful lady in the next office, a lot of things about her, and suddenly you just hear the word that she's coming here right now and she's going to do something terrible. And who's going to wait here? She wants to come here and strip. I was like, what? And everyone else started laughing. And he's like, look at me. Why, what will you do? 
oh, you won't stay here because you are married. I said, no. I won't do it not because I'm married, but false, because I stand before a holy God that has called me to be holy. Now, being married is not wrong. Not doing it because of my wife is not wrong, but false, because I stand before a holy God who has called me to live a holy life. Now, for are we living a double life? Are we afraid to do some things because I don't want the elders to, to know? No, that's good. That's accountability. That we have elders who watch over us. But first, it must be before all these things, it must be that I do, I'm doing this and I will not do this because I stand before a holy God. And it's only as great and wonderful as you having elders who watch over you. It's good. But the first thing we must understand, are we doing this because we stand before a holy God. And the evidence is clear. Peter said, it is written. It is written. And so how do I respond to this call? Now I know that God has called me to himself. Now how do I respond to this call? Peter said, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. How do we respond? By conducting ourselves with fear. Why? And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deed, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. That's how we respond. We conduct ourselves with fear. Now, this is not a fear of hell, but this is a fear of a reverential fear for God. Um, I will not be part of this because I fear God. I will not be part of anything that is unholy because I fear the Lord. Believers, our Father is calling us to daily set ourselves apart from the world. Sinners, God is calling. Come out of darkness and come to light. To be a Christian is not a license to live as you please, but a license to live as God pleases. To be a Christian is not a license to live as you please, but a license to live a pleasing life to God. Finally, why should I respond to this call? Why? I have a life to live. Why should I respond to this command of being holy? Peter said in verse 18 and 19, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with precious blood of Jesus, with, precious, with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Why should I respond to this call? Finally, because we're ransomed with a holy sacrifice. That sacrifice that Christ did was holy. So this holy sacrifice calls for a holy living. Why should I respond to this call? Because this sacrifice demands my holy living. It demands me to live a life that is separate from the world. It demands me to call sin, sin. It demands me to call that which is righteous, righteous. 
It demands me to call a spade a spade, not an agricultural instrument. It is an agricultural instrument, actually. It demands me to stand apart from all the things of this world. Why? Because, not just because of the blood of Christ, because of the precious. Peter said what? It is precious. This is precious. It's not just any other blood like the goat of our rams. It is precious. That which you have received is precious because the sacrifice that brought it is precious. So we can't afford to live as we please because that sacrifice is precious. And it demands a precious, a precious, a precious life that is devoted to God. Yes, holiness has got nothing to do with clothing, how we dress. But it has got to do with you being mothers in your dressing. Holiness has got nothing to do with the kind of music you, you listen to. I'm glad Nick is not here because I like country music. And I, I like country music before coming to the U.S. So. <laughs> it has not got, it's got nothing to do with the, the, the genre, the kind of music you listen to, but it has got to do with the words of those music. Holiness has got nothing to do with the kind of food you eat, but it has also got to do with how you eat. You eat so much. And you almost want to throw. Holiness has got nothing to do with if you play the lottery or not. But you have self-control, like we learned last week. Oh, I mentioned the lottery. Okay, 1.6 billion. Oh my! <laughs> but do you have self-control? Holiness has got nothing to do with how much money you spend. What it has got to do with? How you spend that money. We're not saying we want to regiment your life. What the Bible is saying, are you living a life that is pleasing to God? You shall be holy is a call to live a life pleasing to the Lord. And if you are not in Christ, it's a call for you today to move from darkness to light because holiness has got nothing to do with darkness but light let us pray oh lord in these few words lord we have seen that it's not about us but about you we've seen that you called us to live a life for you not for ourselves We've seen, Lord God, that it is a call to action to guide our minds against all the things that are wrestling against them. And we've seen that, Lord, we can't do it of ourselves. That like as obedient children, we need to trust you. 